You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! America. Cotton candy. The American Bald Eagle. Hot dogs. Beer. 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 Milkshakes. Baseball. Hamburgers. Freedom fries. Texas. Bourbon. Moonshine. Root beer float. And blowing shit up. Welcome to another episode of Drinks with Johnny. We're celebrating July the 4th with my good friend, Zachy V. How are you doing today, brother? Fantastic. Thanks for being the show, bro. Anytime. All right, man, so let's get right into it. I did about 30 seconds of research, a little typo on the Google, and found that the oldest cocktail made in America was in New Orleans called the Sazerac. Naturally. Yeah, of course. I mean, you guys could probably fact check and come up with a million other ones that were there, but that's what I figured out, so that's what we're gonna fucking make today. Let's do it. All right, let's get into it. So a typical little history lesson on the Sazerac is that it was originally made with brandy, French brandy, which makes sense being from New Orleans, being the first time I was there. So what you're gonna do, you're gonna take one sugar cube, drop it in there. You're gonna take a two ounce pour of some rye whiskey. Um, this is some pretty good shit actually. I don't know if you've had it before. I did, I want to remember, so. Perfect. And as we like to do here at Joni's, we add a little extra. Get it nice and broken up. Probably use the back side of your spoon. Get it nice and broken up and dissolved in there. And you don't need it to be like a thousand percent dissolved in there. You just want to definitely get rid of any sort of chunkage or anything like that. You definitely, because you still want to taste that sugar in there. You don't want it to be a hundred percent part of the whiskey. So I'm going to stir that in there. Still going strong. Still going strong, man. When's the last time you were in New Orleans and had one of these? Oh man, the good news is I can't remember, which means it was probably fun. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's been a little while, probably when we were on the road. So Peshad's bitters, it's the red bitters. Um, you're gonna need a little bit of that. It's a little different than the normal aromatic that we use in, a, in a old fashioned. So you're gonna take four dashes of that. And then we are going to add our ice and stir. Now while I'm stirring this and adding ice, Zach, why don't you tell me a little bit about what this holiday means to you? What does the Baker household look like on the July 4th? Oh man. I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say it's definitely a time for family and friends. Every year we mix it up. I mean, Huntington Beach is known for being like a mecca for 4th of July. Yeah, the biggest uh, 4th of July parade this side of the Mississippi. Yeah. As they fame themselves. It's awesome, man. And being right down there, you know, get in the thick of it, see all your friends. You know, we run into each other and yeah. drink everywhere and have fun. Uh, get on your bikes and ride, as uh, Queen once said. That's right. Absolutely. Ride bikes around. You know, I just hang out with my family. Um, this year, I'd probably taken off to go to Florida uh, because oh, I had fun. so much fun when we were on tour with Metallica a few years ago we played uh, the day after 4th of yeah, July. Was, and we stayed in Orlando the night before. Yeah, so it was fun, oh. man. Fun fun for the family. Um, 
awesome fireworks show. So I think I'm gonna mix it up this year, do that again. But yeah, man, it's just a great time to hang out with friends, family, barbecue, drink, ride bikes. That's what we do here in America. That's right. All right, let's get back to this drink. We got a nice chilled glass for you down here, Z. This is the important part. This is kind of what sets this drink apart, is you're gonna do a absinthe rinse on the glass. Now, um, you know, usually you do a rinse, you just pour just a little touch and roll it around, but you know, here, drinks with Johnny. I gotta be an asshole. <laughs> because not only am I gonna rinse it, they usually waste, right? They pour it out into the gutter over here or something like that. I say waste not, want not. You know what I mean? Yeah. See where I'm getting at? And after that's all said and done, you got your absinthe rinse. It got all over the bar and you love it. We're just gonna pour right on top of that bitch. And now we're gonna get ourselves a little lemon zest. And you're just gonna kind of squeeze it over here, kind of get the aromas going and get the oils from the rind out on the rim and inside and a little bit into your drink. So I'm just gonna drop it in. And here you got it, the Sazerac, oldest drink in America. All right, perfect. All right. All right, now I'm gonna make a couple more of these. We just keep chatting. In the spirit of true Americana, had to go see Aerosmith. Yeah. Probably, probably the best, greatest American rock band. Oh, totally, as I far mean, as, you know. Steven Tyler's got the best, one of the best voices I've ever heard. For one of the music. best moves. Best moves. Um, it was awesome, man. You know, those guys still up there doing it after, I mean, close to 50 years, I think. It's uh, incredible, right? It's unbelievable in how many hits they have. So it was a blast, man. Vegas is always a good time. The day after Vegas is always a real bad time. Though. <laughs> <laughs> just everything about life just hits you. You just feel like a terrible person. But it was fun. Yeah. Definitely fun. What else is going new with you, bro? You, know, you just had your second kid? Yeah, man. Life's been a whirlwind. Two kids is like juggling grenades. Fuck. But it's awesome, man. Um, we got baby Ozzy. Fucking great name. He's chill. He's, so far, he's not living up to his name, which is probably a good thing. But uh, <laughs> not a lot of sleep. Which is surprising coming from your household, I have to admit. That's true. Got some crazy shit going on over there, man. T Tennessee's a maniac. <laughs> um, so... You know, it's just good, man. It's just, life's good. Being home with the kids is fun. You know, working on music's fun. Um, cruising around the old car, whatever yeah, works. Yeah, you know, you know it sucks every time we put out something like break, like the breakdown videos or something else. There's always some asshole out there like, where's the new music? Where's the new music? It's like, motherfucker, we're working on it, all right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. It takes a little time. Just because just cause I like to drink doesn't mean I'm fucking just sitting on my ass. That's right. I mean, it kind of does, but... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, you gotta, let, me, let me have a minute. You got to work at your pace, man. And, yeah. you know, whenever you're doing anything, whether it's making a delicious Sazerac or making music, you definitely want to, uh, you know, make it as best as you can. Absolutely. Uh, if you want it to survive the test of time. So, yeah, I think, I think you know, fans will understand that. It just takes time. It's, yeah. it's not an easy task. You can it's tell, not easy to be patient these days, too, with all that shit. Oh, man. Yeah, you know, you definitely don't want to put something out so people listen to it one time and then start bitching about when the next album you're going to put out is. You want something quality. Just trying to find a rhythm. So what have you been up to, man? I mean, you just live right down the street. We see each other yeah, all the I time. Yeah, I know. We see each other all the time. Small talk. Small talk, baby. That's what we do. That's what we do here on Drinks with Johnny. <laughs> now, man, I've just been... Uh, Franklin started a preschool, which is pretty fucking sweet. So he's over there, like, you know, three times a week doing that whole thing, which is really fun. Just been getting in the studio. Get a little workspace? Got a little workspace. I got a nice big screen TV in there so I can work on this show too. Um, my cameraman and producer over here. 
Brando's been teaching me how to use Final Cut so we can help each other out, get these things out a little bit quicker for the fans. Wow, impressive. So, yeah, just been doing that old old thing. And we went to Seattle last week. I don't know if you uh, saw the post from that. We went and saw this, the new glass bottom uh, space needle. Oh, wow. It's fucking, it's gnarly. Brave, man. I don't think I could do it. I didn't think I could either. And you know me with heights. Like, there was no way I thought I was going to be able to do it. I got up there. I had the expectation that you're going to walk out from the elevator and just step onto open glass. It was not that, at least. Because if that was the case, I was going to go up in the elevator, take a look, and go, see you later. I'm going back down. Yeah. No, no thanks. <laughs> There's just an observation deck that still rotates and has a glass floor. It's pretty disorienting, but it's really fun, actually. Man, I've never, having lived up there when I was young and being born up there. I forgot you were born up there. Yeah, man. I was born in Olympia, and I've never been up in the Space Needle. That's crazy. I absolutely love Seattle. Like, the food there is great. Like, they really care about, like, their ingredients and shit, and they're all, like, super hippied out. So, like, all their food is, like, really good. So fucking grow your hair and put on a flannel and... Fuck yeah, dude. I'm going to get into it. <laughs> dude. <laughs> the world's longest. Mm -hmm. Oh, dude, we gotta tell that story. Speaking of Seattle, man, where where did we come? We went into Dallas for a radio show. Was, where were we our, coming in from? It was our first radio show ever, I believe, and we flew in. It was before the band was really doing too much, but we were starting to take off. I think City of Evil had just come out. Uh, we got invited to play a radio show, so we had to take like a 5 a.m. Commercial flight. The flight got delayed. We barely made it in time for the show. We had not slept at all. We had to go on at like 12:30 in the afternoon. So our flight finally landed. We we're dead. Uh, the Rev, Sin, me, you, everyone. We're all huddled in. I wouldn't call it a backstage area. I'd call it like a broom closet. That's yeah, where, that's it was pretty we, fucking small and uh, fucked up. That's where we got put, and it was freezing, like um, winter freezing like in the 30s yes. uh, zero for all you people that aren't Celsius yeah zero degrees Celsius for all you smarty pants and um, so we're freezing to death we're dead tired we have to go on stage in like an hour and they are blasting the middle vocal interlude Jeremy's uh, uh, yeah the, Jeremy and, Jeremy from yeah Pearl Jam uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> Which is a wonderful ooh, ooh, song. Ooh, it's a great song. In, in, in its, own, its own self. But when you're fucking... Freezing and dying and can't sleep and you just hear... We're just laying there and we're just punching ourselves in the face because we can't sleep. And he, <laughs> you never realize how long that goes on for. Oh, yeah. And now I love it. It's just fucking brilliant. To be able to go on wailing for that long. That's why... That's why they're the fucking best, man. Once you get old, you start appreciating that shit. That's just so fucking good. That's Seattle's best right there, baby. That's all I remember about that. I mean, that was pretty much the story. I don't remember the show. I don't, did we play? <laughs> yeah, we did play. That wasn't the one, that wasn't one of the ones where we fucking just walked off stage and said fuck it. I think that was San Antonio. That was the other radio show in Texas. Which, which yeah. was probably on the same run, which our shit just would not work. And they just kept telling us, you have to get on stage now. And we said, we literally cannot go on stage because nothing works. And they're like, nope, get on stage. So we walked on stage, smashed all of our instruments. Uh, I think we lasted 30 seconds. 30 seconds of Beast and the Harlot, which is actually just 30 seconds of feedback. And that's all it was, was feedback. Man, nothing worked. <laughs> Definitely not one of our finer moments, but 
I remember the fans were definitely they were pissed. But shit, I mean, shit happens. At least, at least we had enough tenacity even then to know you're not going to be able to put on a good show. I mean, yeah, we didn't want to. We we at least didn't want to compromise our show in like, you know, just going out there and playing through a bunch of nonsense when it, we knew it wasn't going to do any good for yeah, us. We literally couldn't play. The, the, there was no sound coming out of the amps. It was just pure feedback, which is hard, you know, when you're excited about playing, especially, you know, when you're early on doing radio shows, playing amphitheaters. That was huge for us. We never got to do that. So, I mean, it was more disappointing for us. Right. Bigger audience than we played, than we had an opportunity from ever at that point. Yeah, the mo moments that you literally live your whole life in a van dreaming of, and you get on stage to hear feedback, and it's just... It's so upsetting, you know, and looking back on it, it's a, it's a funny story and, yeah, you know, we love going back there and playing and still going strong with the, making those fucking drinks. So you got you the know, wrist action. You know, why not? Yeah, you got to get the wrist action, you know? Impressive. Yeah, you got to get that nice rinse so it comes from the bottom. Centrifugal force is what you want so it goes up on the side of the glass. Mm. So if you went to a bar and you saw a bartender do what you just did and pour, <laughs> pour the shit into their mouth, First would, of all, would you applaud them? Fun. Yeah, or, I would. I would actually. I guess it just depends on who's the bartender. Who's that old chef lady that was always drunk? Julia Childs? Julia Childs, yeah. You're like the Julia Childs of fucking bartending. <laughs> Ooh, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put some shit together. You're gonna drink it. It's gonna fuck you up. <laughs> Fully endorse that. All right, man. Now that we got our drinks, let's move it to the couch. We're celebrating 4th of July. Fuck Why don't yeah. you give me your top 10 most American things? Oh man, um, a bald fucking eagle. The American bald eagle. This is a good one. Have you ever seen one in person? I have. When was this? Um, I saw one up at the cabin in uh, Medford, Oregon. Ah, the one that we frequent. Yeah, and I saw some, I think outside Catalina, is that a thing? Could I possibly be out of my mind? I don't know that I've ever seen one there, but hey, they got the American buffalo over there. I'll tell you what, I've definitely seen a bald eagle in my motherfucking dreams. <laughs> soaring, baby, soaring. All right, that's number 10. Let's get to number nine. What's number nine? Man, the fucking United States Armed Forces. That's pretty fucking America. Pretty fucking badass. To um, all you out there, thank you very much yep. for all your fucking sacrifices. We really appreciate it. All right, let's Truly. get to number eight. Let's higher up on the list. So these are non- Not in order. order. These are, yeah, uh, yeah, sorry. These are not in order. Bruce Springsteen. Ooh, the boss. This is a good answer. I mean, that is blue collar fucking rock and roll baby. Oh, he's a great songwriter too. Crazy Absolutely. voice. Uh, All right, let's get down to it. That, that was number seven. What do we got for number six? Football. Fucking football. Not, not soccer. No, 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 no. American fucking football. The U.S. women's soccer team is pretty fucking good, though. Oh, they're destroying everybody right now. It's yeah, fantastic. they're killer. Congrats. Congrats. Um, what else have you got on the list? We got we got five. Chevelle Super Sport. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. That is fucking. That's right on, right there. Right on, brother. That's a fucking Chevy, baby. It's pretty solid. Uh, <laughs> Pabst Blue Ribbon. Pabst Blue Ribbon, the drink of every American's choice. I think. Uh, Rocky Four. Ooh, so American against the <laughs> Russian. That is so fucking American. Oh, that was, that's actually kind of my favorite one. I mean, the, the original is fucking super dramatic, but damn, do I love Rocky Four. Oh, it's the best, man. Uh, I got one. Jimi Hendrix playing the national anthem. Whew. 
At Woodstock, baby. Ooh, that was incredible. I mean, there wasn't a fucking sober ear in the house, and they fucking loved it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> including him. Um. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. 2019 Motor Trend Truck of the Year, Dodge Ram. Ram, I like it. Harley Davidson is pretty good. Harley Davidson is very fucking American. Nothing like getting on the hog and fucking strapping it between your legs. <laughs> Going down the road for millions of miles and just... Uh, <laughs> millions of miles. <laughs> living off the road, baby. Man. <laughs> no, I mean, there's a great stuff. This, this list is, uh, I don't know what number we're on. Oh, I but, think we lost count. I mean, it wasn't in any order anyway. We're just going to let it ride. Baseball. Baseball. America's pastime, of course. This, this has to be, if not the top, definitely in the top three. We got to talk about some baseball here. Um, I think a lot of our fans know your affinity for baseball, given your tattoos, a couple of your posts and everything like that on your Instagram. Um, but I don't know if all of them really understand what uh, kind of baseball player you were in high school. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Some, maybe some, some highlights to that for you and what position did you play? I mean, I've heard a lot of these stories from our good friends, the Berries, who were on the team with you. And, uh, you know, the three of you guys can pride yourselves in some pretty damn good ball players. Man, well, speaking of Bruce Springsteen, let's bring up glory days, huh? <laughs> no, man, I've always loved baseball. It's what I, it was the first thing that I loved when I was like a small kid. You know, my parents never pushed me in any direction. Uh, they signed me up for t-ball and I loved it. Uh, you know, I just, one of those things that I loved, just like the first time I ever touched a guitar, I loved it. And you know, you only get a few of those things in life. Baseball is my first true love. Um, and I know that because now later on in life, I still love it. You know, I still get excitement. I still love going to games, still love watching it. Um, I love playing it. I love the, you know, my, my favorite thing about it is that it's a team sport. You know, there's star players and stuff, but you depend on everyone. It's not one person cannot carry an entire baseball team. You know, it gives an opportunity for, I mean, there's players from all over the world, all shapes and sizes. With, with baseball, I mean, some of the greatest players ever, uh, you know, not to say that you're on the smaller side, but you're on the yeah, smaller yeah. side. And there's guys like Jose Altuve that's the I same, Altuve, same yeah. size as you. And he's just a, a superstar. So I don't love sports where one person has to carry the team and if the team loses, the star blames everyone else yeah win as a team or lose as a team and that's that's why baseball has been so cool to me um and the fact that living in southern california uh orange county specifically and having the probably the greatest one of the greatest players that's ever lived right down the street is pretty pretty cool. incredible yeah i mean and i mean not to mention when you grow up in orange county like 
You got the greatest weather of all time. I mean, you could play year round here and not, and not have like uh, times when you got to be outside fucking freezing your ass off or anything like that. So that's I think that's a pretty good blessing too. Yeah. And, and what what position did you play? What uh, positions? I know that baseball you usually kind of play a couple here and there. You know, I played all over the infield. Uh, when I was a little kid, I played catcher for a little bit in the competitive years. Nice. And then once we got to high school days, I played third base. Okay. And it was fun, man. I had yeah. good times playing with the Barry brothers, um, Jason and Matt Barry, who've been friends of the entire band for forever and <clears throat> a complete part of the family. I mean, those guys still have baseball too. We still talk baseball and um, it's just fun. It's one of those things that I've always really loved. You know, I loved baseball and I loved music. You know, you like I said, you only get a few of those things in a lifetime. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, the things that you're very passionate about or or rather just make you happy, you know, like things that you just genuinely make you happy, you know, and that's something that you never want to take for granted. Like Sazerac's. Like Sazerac's <laughs> fucking, they, they make me extremely happy. <laughs> mm. So I think you already touched upon it a little bit, but uh, what's your uh, favorite team, maybe top two teams? Because I know for me, I, I, I have a American League and National League team. Um, I don't know. I know that a lot of people frown upon that, but I'm not as uh, elitist in baseball as some. So, uh, do you have a single team? You have a couple teams. I love the Angels. Got a tattoo. Yeah. Um, I got the tattoo because we were on tour, and I think it was 2002, 2003. I think it's 2002. We were at a bar in Pittsburgh, and we were watching Game Seven or something of the World Series, and we were losing. And Brian said he'd get an Angels tattoo on his neck if we came back and won. <laughs> we came back and won. So I honored his bet and I got the Angels tattoo. So when people see my Angels tattoo, there's a little bit of a backstory. We were actually on tour and I took one for the team. But I was happy to do it because I love baseball. And, uh, but your yeah, favorite teams, I love the Angels. Um, and I grew up a Dodgers fan. Yeah. That was my first game I ever went to. You know, I didn't grow up in Orange County. I grew up in Los Angeles County uh, for the most part. And I idolized all those guys, man. We had superstars back then. So... You know, yeah, I think it's fun. I think it's cool because our fans, at least across the states, you know, for the majority, they have a team that they can root for. Um, it's just friendly rivalry, man. It's oh, totally, totally. Yeah, I, that's funny. Those are the those are the two teams that I was going to mention. To AL team and NL team would be Angels, Dodgers. Perfect. My grandparents were split in the household. My my grand my grandmother was a Dodgers fan. My grandfather was an Angels fan, or vice versa, whatever it was. But basically, I grew up the same way, and then. You know, we still haven't had that uh, 405 ro uh, rivalry yet. So in the event that that happens, I want you on record right now, who are you rooting for in the event that one day we get to see Angels versus Dodgers in the World Series? I'm rooting for the Angels. All right, all right. Against we got, everything it, we got it on record right here. We got it on record. I will say that you, know, you can't lose with Angels and Dodgers because any way you slice it, you put those colors together and it's red, white, and motherfucking blue. Red, white, and blue, baby. Cheers to that. <laughs> Fucking A. That was smooth. So speaking of baseball, I know you. I know how you play. You play right-handed, correct? Yeah. Okay. So you play ba you play baseball right-handed, but you're a left-handed guitar player. Yep. Okay. Well, how did you, how did that come about? I mean, like, how did you realize that? Did you try and play right-handed guitar first, or vice versa, or? Never. I learned how to write left-handed. Uh, picked up a guitar left-handed, um, and then baseball is just naturally. Right. I'm just full ambidextrous. That's I crazy. Right, right-handed. Can't really play guitar right-handed. That's yeah. why I won't pick up a right-handed guitar because I don't know the power that it possesses. I mean, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> exactly. And you don't want that when you're <laughs> drinking the that. amount we're drinking. I do not want that. 
which came first, your love of baseball or your love of guitar? Baseball. Baseball came first. Um, I grew up in a household where music was always plentiful, good music. My parents loved Black Sabbath, they loved Led Zeppelin. My dad would always offer me a dollar if I could guess what song was playing in the car. That's a fun game. And I finally caught on that it was always the Beatles. <laughs> so I would just say the Beatles, and I didn't even have to know what, I didn't know what the band was. Yeah. I'd say the Beatles, and I'd get a dollar. And, and, and you wouldn't be wrong to find a million great songs from the fucking Beatles, as everyone knows. It was, it was perfect. So being around music was a blessing. My mom took me to my first rock concert. I saw Poison and Warrant, um, New Year's Eve, 1990. So that talk dirty to me? Was, uh, was, yeah, was they, played there for they sure? were definitely talking dirty. <laughs> they're definitely uh, the only male band that I've seen with stripper poles for themselves. But it was fucking awesome, man. <laughs> <That is so laughs> right. it, it was awesome. So I grew up around music, but I love baseball. Music, music, okay. I thought baseball was an achievable goal because I loved playing it. I was relatively athletic, pretty good at it. I thought that there was a path to becoming a professional baseball player. I thought becoming a rock star was impossible. It was just one of those things like becoming a, a famous A-list movie star or something. So it wasn't, at that when I was young, it was a dream, but a, fuck, a dream so far down the road, like one of those dreams you set so high, like, wow, that would be amazing. Yeah. But I probably, I probably have a better chance of becoming a baseball player because I can work hard towards that. And then when I lived up in Seattle, uh, when I was in, you know, 13 years old, I loved music because I was into skateboarding. I, Loved listening to punk bands, like changed my life. You know, my friends, we like punk rock, we like Bad Religion, No Effects. Um, and I was so excited. And I went to a punk rock concert and it blew my mind. So within the, one of the next days after that, I was with my parents and we walked by a music shop. And I don't even remember why we went in there. I think my dad might have wanted to just go in and check it out. Because my dad, you know, played a little bit of guitar when he was younger. And uh, I picked up a right-handed Fender Squire Strat. And... Iconic guitar, obviously. It's awesome. Um, it's like Jimi Hendrix, upside down. I didn't know that it was upside down. I just played it left-handed. Plugged it into a, like a 12-inch little Fender Deluxe. Combo amp. Little combo. Yeah. Um, turned the gain up and hit a note, and just the sound just <clears throat> sounded like the punk bands that I listened to. Yeah, and just been immediately probably just a smile crosses over your face it, when that happens. It changed my life. It truly... Yeah. It, that moment truly changed my life because all of a sudden the unattainable dream of being a musician or playing when you're holding a guitar it's it's a becomes a reality like yeah holy shit this is a real thing i'm holding a guitar noise is coming out of that amp i could fucking do this yeah um my parents bought me that guitar for my birthday they didn't tell me i was snooping around the house and i found it about a week early and they let me have it <laughs> and i'd sit there and play as it. kids do man and i would sit there and play it until my fingers bled Truly, until my fingers bled. That's the thing. Like everyone, everyone thinks that's an old adage, but it's a real thing for musicians. Is you play to your fucking fingers bleed. It's Absolutely. A real thing. And I never wanted to take lessons. I didn't have time for that shit. Yeah. I just wanted to fucking sit there, listen to what I heard, and try and play it. And to this day, that's, that's still how I operate. I was as passionate about music as I was baseball, but music came in the time of my life where. You're becoming an adult. You have to make decisions about life, true life decisions. So I stopped playing baseball, and and it, it you know broke my parents' heart and, and and it hurt me too. But it was I was a little punk rocker. I was the only kid on the baseball team with two lip rings and bleached hair, and that didn't really go well with the coach. So me and him butted heads, and I, I just said, you know what, fuck this. This dream I have is no longer a dream. This is what I'm going to do. 
Wherever you're listening to this podcast, make sure you're subscribed and leave us a five-star review. If you want to listen to this show ad-free, head over to drinkswithjohnny.com and become a premium member. You'll get to enjoy unreleased clips from your favorite guests, discounts on merchandise in our shop, and access to our private Discord server where you can chat one-on-one with Johnny Christ himself. Awesome! So stay tuned, stay thirsty, and stay filthy as fuck. And you, you set your sights on it and you're like, all right, we're going for it all in. Crazy. And, and that's what I did. And that's, I think that's what we all did. There wasn't... Absolutely. There's was no plan B. I never thought about uh, what would happen if the van didn't work out. It never crossed my mind. It wasn't like we didn't have a slew of adults around us saying like, <laughs> you, this ain't going to work out. This ain't going to work out. It was just like, well, fuck you. I'm going to do it anyway. Like, yeah. There's no other choices. It's what, what we love doing. You know, I just keep that mentality. I think if there's anything that you love that you're, you're truly passionate about it, you know, you find a way to make it work. And we're obviously, we're truly blessed. And, and I believe that there's so much luck involved. I'm not just gonna say, oh, it's, you know, we're it's just our talent and our hard work and Absolutely work ethic. Not. We worked hard, but we worked hard because we loved it. But our There's luck- There's an adage for that. It's uh, luck is the residue of the ready. And you know, you gotta p- be prepared. As you can hear your story right now, you can hear, you're preparing yourself for the moment to come. And that's the whole thing is you just gotta be prepared for that moment to come. That's a lesson for you, people. Yeah. Yeah, and our luck came in the form of each other, the people that surrounded us, the people that work with us and believe in us, our, our fans, um, the people that laid down the groundwork before us, the bands that, that fought Absolutely. for music like ours um, to be appreciated. So it's, it's, it's not luck. There's people that fought in wars that laid down their lives or sacrificed everything. Our luck is the fact that we were born here and had the ability to follow the fucking wildest dream that I could have ever had to be a fucking rock star. Yes. Um, and, and now that we've, we've had success, it's funny because I've never ever lifted myself far off the ground. I stay this humble family guy. Um, still like to have fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the stars kind of align and we all kind of came together as, as friends and brothers and everything like that. Like it's just over the years, we, we've, actually humbled each other. I mean, like we never really let anyone else like get too big headed because we've known each other before we even had any success whatsoever. So it's easy to be like, you know, just calm it down a little bit, buddy. Totally. And, totally. And, the, and those days of being in the van starving, they're not that far. No, off. they're humbling. They're fucking humbling moments. Like you don't, you don't need, you don't need to think too far back in the past to remember all those things. I know about for you, but everything is still very vivid in my memory of, of those of those struggling times because you know we couldn't afford drinks as much then. <laughs> That's true. We'd, <laughs> we'd steal them from the bands that we were opening for. We couldn't wait until the band that was headlining would go on stage because we go raid their uh, yeah their dressing room. A lot of the times it was it was a uh, hardcore shows that we go to and a lot of those bands were straight edge and weren't drink but they'd still get beer and we'd be like, you guys gonna drink that? <laughs> Can't let good beer go to waste. All right, man. This seems like a good time to take a step back and look at uh, one of the sponsors of the show, Rescue Water. This is something that I live by, honestly. I drink a lot, and here's the deal. You don't want to hang over the next day. You want to be able to keep going with your day, and this thing actually works. I drink one before I get out there. I drink one after, and I wake up in the morning with less of a hangover every fucking time. It also works for athletes. It, it's kind of like a, a electrolyte drink. It, it does great things. Um, so 
If you're listening to this podcast right now, you want to check out Rescue Water. Uh, go go online, rescuewater.com, and check out uh, everything that they got over there. And put in promo code Drinks with Johnny, and you will get 25% off. 25% off of this shit is fucking great. I actually thought that they were going to give me 15% off, but I'm not lying. They gave me 25% off for this promo code. Drinks with Johnny. Get your ass out there. Order some boxes. I promise you your hangovers are going to be way less. Fourth of July kind of marks a good time of uh, the beginning of summer to me. I know the, you know, the technical summer is a couple weeks ago. But uh, you got anything coming up with uh, Vengeance University and uh, summertime releases? Anything coming up around the pipe? You know, I have a bunch of designs made that I've been sitting on that I definitely plan on launching, but I'm trying to figure out something new and creative because the concept of just making new items, putting them out, it's starting to feel a little boring to me, which which is great because I want to find new and creative ways of doing it. So I'm working on a couple things. You've always been really good on that, by the way. I've always noticed when I follow the Vengeance University, which has been, how many years now you've been doing Vengeance University? I think this might be year 14. Damn, you've been, yeah, I mean, you're coming up on a, on, on a long, long line there. And uh, yeah, I've always, I've always uh, noticed and appreciated that you try new things each time, with each line, with each release, with each way you're, you know, connecting with our fans and everything. And I, I think that's a really cool thing. I appreciate that, but it's, it's important. Like, like right now, I have new designs ready. I was going to release them, and then I backed off. I just held off. Sometimes it's better to just put something on the back burner until you find something that you become excited about. Um, and the truth is, is I what really got me excited was A7X World, um, basically taking back the power, you know, within the band, reaching directly to our fans, making stuff that we all love, and and having fun with it. Absolutely. Um, in a way that our fans can appreciate because th- that just doesn't happen. And why it hasn't happened is because for so many years forever, I mean, it's, there's been this like monopoly of these huge companies and they kind of run the show. And I got sick of seeing our fans complaining that they weren't getting orders or they didn't like what they got or why wasn't this happening? I think like our fans, I, w- I was getting pissed. If they're upset about it, I'm 10 times more upset. Absolutely. Because we attach our name the fact that we've slept in a fucking van, starved on the road. Um, we put everything in Sacrificed, this. you know, our friends and f- being with our families. And then for a fan to want to represent us and not be able to do so or be upset about it. So with A7X World, you know, we all t- took it back and had fun with it. And that inspired me. So with Venice University, I kind of put on the back burner, you know, so we can all focus on just getting our fans excited I feel like if it just becomes you're just trying to sell something to someone and they lose that like desire where they're so excited to get something from the Stuff, brand. That was fucking Do you remember super how cool. it felt to get uh, an album sampler in the mail or something? Oh yeah. With you know, thirteen different songs on it and a couple stickers from bands. Uh, I love the stickers, man. I put them all over my backpack, my my folders, everything like Binders that. and yeah. you represent. Um, and there's something so awesome about that. And and I believe that what we do is capable of, of providing that same feeling to our fans. I see it. I meet our fans. We, we get to see that. Yeah, yeah. And we have a great interaction with our fans. And if we ever lose that, then you become like all the, you know, lame, greedy bands that that, that I look at and um, just bummed on. Yeah, we're not gonna name names here though. But you not know, name names. 
<laughs> but the, there's a lot of great bands that still are fucking awesome to their fans. We've learned Absolutely. from the best, seeing Metallica operate, seeing Iron Maiden operate. They're as genuine as it gets. Absolutely. They love their fans. They do everything for their fans. They want them to feel that same feeling. They are who they, that's, that's what it, that's the thing is there's no faking. Like they just are who they are. They go out, they care. They, they're, they're passionate about what they do. They, pro, they provide that for their fans and they, they don't try and fake and do anything else. This is the greatest lesson I ever learned from touring with those guys is that they are the same on the stage, off the stage, in an interview, in a backstage thing. Like, I felt before we even met the guys in Metallica, I felt like I already knew all of them. And that's like, that's something that a connection that I don't think every band has. And it's a, it's a magical thing and it's what you want to strive to do, I it's, think. It's the most important thing. If you ever forget where you come from, if you ever forget what inspired you to want to do what you do, and, and sometimes you know you feel burnt out or sometimes you just need to take a break and, and back off. But as long as you always find the inspiration from what made you want to do it in the first place and you attack it then, it might take a year, it might take 10 years. You know, I'm not saying it's gonna take us 10 years, but I'm saying you find you have to be excited about it. You, Absolutely. And if you just try and put something out because you're on a schedule or on a timeline or because somebody tells you that it's a, you know, it's a good quarter to put something out. Like, I don't even know what the <laughs> fuck that means. I don't, no, I'm not no. operating on, a, no, on a, that. You know, a timeline of when it's best to sell an album. I don't, I don't give a fuck. I'll, I like feeling... When we're, when we're ready, I mean, that's what everyone does. I mean, that was one of the things that we heard from those bands. Like one of the things that we heard from Lars from Metallica was like, hey, you know, every album that we've ever made has been in the moment. And you have to work in that moment of what you're feeling, what you're passionate about, what it's, it's art. It is truly art. Like people can think about it however they want, but writing music is fucking art. And at the end of the day, you ain't gonna ask fucking Picasso to not be inspired and just put, put another fucking ear in a, in a wrong position just because you want something out at the time, you know? A lot of the world would probably ask that of him. <laughs> and that's why they're not, and that's why they, they'll never understand what it's like because people like to ask, you know, a lot of, and, and that's totally fine. But like, what's most important is always coming back to remembering why you wanted to do this in the first place. And I still feel that about baseball, why I wanted to play it. It's because it's fucking fun to watch a guy like Mike Trout hit a fucking 500 foot home run and make $500 million. A 20 something year old kid from Millville, fucking New Jersey, he gets to live a dream. And that's what's so awesome. That's what, you know, what we do inspires kids anyone can do Absolutely. anything that they want and uh, find what you're passionate about go, fucking go for it like find what you're passionate about and go for it someone out there is going to fucking love it and that's 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 the bottom line man courtesy of fucking america america speaking of america last question favorite bass player baseball player hold on favorite baseball player favorite bass player huh favorite bass player hey <laughs> <laughs> mine too <laughs> favorite baseball player of all time my favorite baseball player. Can I pick two? Yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do. Favorite two baseball players of all time. I love Mike Trout. Mike Trout. He's yeah. like the. He's like the. Uh, what baseball's been waiting for for my whole lifetime, and he just delivers. Um, and I love Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle. All right, man. I think we've covered everything America today. I think it's about time for us to enjoy ourselves and have a little party with the fam. What do you think? Cheers, brother. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. If you like what you hear, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Leave me a comment. I'd love to hear from you. Happy 4th of July, everybody. Stay safe out there, and we'll see you next time. Cheers.
Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. Bowie, Dylan, Marley, you've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.